hearts of the people who don't believe that they would come to know you personally. Use this church as, as that vessel through which that occurs. Use us and let them come here, believe, get baptized, and thus get saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We are continuing in Romans chapter 4, but we're going to be all over the Bible today. Advertisers want us to just say yes to their product. We've all heard promises from advertisers wanting to sell their stuff, and we've largely learned to ignore TV commercials, junk mail, even campaign promises because you just can't trust them. There's always the fine print and the unrealistic claims, but they are expert in getting money out of people who don't want to give. Uh, like this maple leaf bacon commercial. Uh, it, do, do we have it? Uh-oh. The screens are dark. I will improvise. There's a commercial from Maple Leaf Foods that show a frazzled mom's family and how it's transformed when she serves them maple leaf bacon. See, after eating that bacon, the family will miraculously do all of their chores without any reminder at all. In another commercial, a woman makes eye contact across a crowded restaurant and she sees a man and she imagines her life with him. And because of her toothpaste, it's gonna conform her into a, from a wallflower into a wife and a mother. And you've seen a truck commercial, you've seen this many times, that shows their drivers will have adventure, envy, and admiring respect of everybody when you're driving that truck. Crowds will stop walking and talking as they watch that truck drive by. Advertisers trust or, or they, they promise, they imply that their product will increase our happiness. Our self-confidence will be quickly found when we purchase and use that product. And youth will be restored to us and rewarded when you use their stuff. And how do these false claims uh, affect us when we view promises in general? And what about the big promises that the Bible makes and God makes? What if someone offered you a free gift of a million dollars if you just say yes? Well, that was the theme of a show some of you remember. It's called The Millionaire. It showed on CBS from 1955 to 1960. And in each of the 206 episodes, an off-camera multimillionaire would give a cashier's check for $1 million tax-free uh, to various people. All they had to do is say yes to a free check. Now, some lives would be changed for the better. Others squandered and lost that free gift. Well, God promises a free gift to everyone who just says yes. And we're going to examine the biggest promise in the Bible. We've been in Romans chapter 4, and we've been learning how Abraham trusted God's promises. As a result, God declared him righteous. His faith led him to obey God in everything. In fact, Abraham was declared right with God 14 years before the law of circumcision was mentioned in the Bible. But as soon as it was commanded, 
Abraham and his family obeyed. He was a man of faith. And Jesus declares righteous those who say yes to him. John 1.17 says, God gave the law through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In studying this, I uh, learned of a story that an evangelist, world-famous evangelist, used to tell on all of his crusades. It was about a man who was taken to see French prisoners, and the man was given the authority to grant a free pardon to one man. It could be anyone that he chose. He asked the first prisoner about his crime, and that prisoner said he'd been treated unfairly. The charges against him were greatly exaggerated. He admitted he had done some wrong, but others were much worse. He claimed to be basically a good man. So the man moved on, spoke to a second prisoner. That prisoner said he was completely innocent. The great man concluded, if this man is innocent, he needs justice, not a free pardon. He went to a third prisoner, and that man stood at a distance. He dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. The prisoner said to the man who was standing there, I have a long sentence to serve. I fully deserve it. If they knew the full extent of my crimes, I would have been committed to death. The great man said, a free pardon is the only hope for this man. This is the man to whom I will give it. And you know, I tell you, this sinner returned home justified before God. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. When we come to God, when anyone comes to God, we need to understand God doesn't owe us anything. And that's why we should tell God, if you condemn me, Lord, I deserve it. And that's why we need to ask him to deal with us, not on the basis of our worthiness, but on the basis of his grace and mercy. Isaiah 55, verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. To our God, for he will freely pardon. You know, when we come to, come to God with our hands full, we're going to go away empty. But when we come to Christ with our hands empty, often seen in uplifted, empty hands, we're going to go away full. Hands that are empty are ready to receive. And it's like a phrase in an old hymn that we sing, Rock of Ages Cleft for Me. One of the phrases says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. Well, here's what made Abraham right with God. Romans 4, verse 13 says, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. A right relationship with God is by faith. And he picks it up almost like continuing on in Romans, but he switches Galatians 3.17 says, here's what I'm trying to say. God's promise to save through faith could not be canceled or changed 430 years later when God gave the Ten Commandments. If obeying those laws could save us, then it's obvious that this would be a different way of gaining God's favor than Abraham's way, for he simply accepted God's promise. He simply said yes to the promise of God. 
And what happens to those who don't belong to Jesus and who are judged under all of the laws that God says this is right, this is wrong? To those under the law, God's promises of mercy are null and void. He withdraws his offer of a free gift. Galatians 2.16 says, people don't receive God's approval by any effort to follow the laws in the scriptures, but only by believing in Jesus Christ. So we also believed in Jesus Christ in order to receive God's approval by faith in Christ, not by our own efforts. People won't receive God's approval by their own efforts. Someone says that religion in general is spelled D-O. It's all about trying to do enough to please whichever God they're serving. Pray more, give more, work harder, earn your way. But Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E because Jesus has done what we can never do for ourselves. The law brings wrath and anger and punishment. Romans 4.15, Paul says the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. In fact, James says, and adds to this in James 2.10, if someone obeys all of God's laws except one, that person is guilty of breaking all of them. Galatians 3, verse 9, all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. In fact, Paul has already said this before, the more we know of God's laws, the clearer it becomes we're not obeying them. His laws serve only to make us see that we are sinners. So a wise person should be asking themselves, why the law at all? And Paul answers that in Galatians 3.19. They were added after the promise was given to show men how guilty they are of breaking God's laws, but this system of law was to last only until the coming of Christ. And Paul answers it in Galatians 3.24, the Jewish laws were our teacher and guide until Christ came to give us right standing with God through our faith. We are now all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and we who have been baptized into union with Christ are enveloped by him, surrounded. Baptism is a picture of being surrounded, well, by water, but being surrounded by Jesus, being raised to a new life. Abraham's faith actually made him believe that God could bring the dead back to life. Go figure. Romans 4, verse 16, bear with me, this is a block. Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but those who have the faith of Abraham. He's the father of us all. As it's written, I've made you a father of many nations. He's our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through 
unbelief regarding the promises of God, he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us, who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins, was raised to life for our justification. Now let me unpack this with what Paul is thinking about and referring to in Abraham's life. You may remember that Abraham was 75 years old when God first called him. Are there any 75-year-olders in here? Don't raise your hand. At that stage and age of life, there's almost no time to recover from loss. But God asked him to give up his father, his home, his land, his possessions, his relatives, even his country. And being faithful in testing times like that and today will prepare us to be used of God in great ways. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 21, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. And he says how it works. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large things. That's Jesus' assessment. Because Abraham was faithful in so many smaller tests, God gave a test that would define his life. Now, 20 years would pass between Genesis chapter 21 and chapter 22. 20 years between those two chapters. And we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 22. For 20 years, laughter filled Abraham's house. And Isaac means laughter. Genesis 22 verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I'll show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He set out for the place God had told him about. But surely, God wouldn't ask him to give up his laughter and joy. Yeah, sometimes God does that to his servants. And there seems to be a mistake here. God asked Abraham for his only son, Isaac. In fact, that's repeated in Hebrews in the New Testament, Hebrews eleven seventeen. It was by faith that Abraham was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Isn't this a mistake? What about Abraham's firstborn son, Ishmael? Plus, the Bible says that after Sarah died, Abraham married Keturah. They had six sons together. But God said that Isaac was your only son whom you love. And this Hebrew word only is yakid. It means unique or special or one that was set aside. Isaac was the son whom God said would bless Israel and bless the world. And Abraham's test would be maybe the second greatest story of the Bible, and it would lead to the greatest story in the Bible. God sent Abraham to a specific mountain to sacrifice his son Isaac, Genesis 22, verse 3. They started out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham saw the place in the distance, and I can't imagine 
For three agonizing days, Abraham contemplated the death of his son. Coming to that mountain, he did an amazing thing. This is verse 5. Abraham said to his servants, You stay here with the donkey while the boy and I go over there. We'll worship. And this is the first time in the Bible that worship is mentioned. Worship is sacrificial giving. If you get nothing else from this lesson, worship is sacrificial giving. Worship is where we give God the best we have and not the leftovers. Then the father placed the mode of death on his son's shoulders. Verse six, Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders as the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke up, Father. He answered, Yes, my son. Isaac asked, I see you have the coals and the wood, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Abraham answered, God himself will provide one. When they came to the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar, arranged the wood on it. Then he tied up his son Isaac and laid him on top of the wood on, on the altar. Next, Abraham picked up the knife and took it in his hand to sacrifice his son. And we pause, and heaven watches, and then intervenes. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, here I am. God offered a way to escape death. The angel of the Lord said, do not put out your hand against the boy, do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God. You've not kept from me your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked and saw a ram behind him with his horns caught in the bushes. And you know that a, a ram is a male sheep. Abraham took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. You know, when Abraham put his faith in God, God provided salvation. And the Lamb of God died instead of Isaac. Abraham named that place a word that is very familiar to us. Verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day in the Mount of Jehovah, it shall be provided. On that mountain, God provided. And we sing, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He'll give his angels charge over me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me. And the greatest story ever told happened on that hill two different times. A thousand years later, Solomon built a temple on that same mountain in Jerusalem. And in that place, God sacrificed his son, Jesus, to die for us. See, Abraham so loved the Lord that he gave his son. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So how great is the father's love? And how great is the son's love to agree to be that sacrifice? Romans 8.32 says, God didn't spare his own son, but handed him over to death for all of us. So he will also give us everything along with him. If that's how much God loves us, how much should we love God? And then there are similarities, not a coincidence. It's 
intentional between Isaac and Jesus. Isaac was a miracle baby born of elderly parents. Jesus was a miracle baby born of a virgin. Isaac was named before birth, as was Jesus. Both Isaac and Jesus were sons of God's promise. Isaac and Jesus had to be sacrificed. The journey that Abraham took and Isaac took was three days. Jesus was three days in the tomb. Isaac and Jesus were both obedient unto death. Their fathers took them to the same mountaintop to be a sacrifice. Abraham told his companions that where he was going, they couldn't follow. Jesus told his disciples where he was going, they could not follow. And even though Isaac was going to his death, Abraham told his companions they would return. Even though Jesus was going to his death, he told his disciples he would return. Isaac carried the wood up the mountain that he'd be sacrificed upon. Jesus carried the cross that he would be sacrificed upon. Isaac questioned his father, and Jesus questioned his, asking, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isaac and Jesus were both laid upon and bound to the wood that they'd carried. And in both cases, God provided the lamb. Both were brought back from the dead. Abraham proved how much he loved God by not withholding his son. And God proved how much he loved us by not withholding his. All the nations of the earth were blessed through Abraham and Isaac and all the nations of the earth were blessed through Jesus. So what do we take away from this amazing similarity? We're called to Mount Calvary and we're destined to die. But Jehovah Jireh still provides. An Old Testament prophecy says, on Mount Zion some will escape and it will be a sacred place. God offered a lamb to die in place of us if we choose to take his promises. The lamb of God is Jesus Christ. And the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many. And you know, all we have to do is say yes to God's promises, and all of this can be ours. Pray with me, please. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the Lamb of God that you provided Jesus Christ. Father, that's gonna be sung in heaven. It says in the book of Revelation that only he, only Jesus, only the lamb is worthy to open the seals and the, and the scrolls. Only he can pay the price for our sins. So Lord, we trust, even as this message has been going out to tens of thousands of people around the world just through internet radio alone that's trackable. We pray that the right ears listen and hear and receive the promises of God. 
bless Sun City West Christian Church. Uh, we are doing the best we can to be found faithful. Find us faithful. Forgive us of our sins. Thank you for Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And continue to uh, remember the very fact of what promises God gave to us.